welcome to Spawned, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, I'm going to be talking with Kelly Ripon, whose oldest son, you might just know him a little bit, and I'm going to be talking to her about her new book, Parent Up inspire your child to be their best self. And we're going to talk about helping kids develop confidence, empathy, and accountability. Lots of amazing things. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, let me tell you a little more about Kelly. Kelly is an author, inspiring speaker, and a single mom of six accomplished kids, including her oldest son, Olympic figure skating medalist Adam Rippon. She combined her years as a corporate speaker, college instructor, and world traveler into a leadership model she shares in her new book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self. Kelly explains that good parenting is about great leadership and has delivered this message to major companies and to top organizations like you know, just the U.S. State Department and Columbia University is a couple examples. The book, which I love, love, love this book, it describes how feeling confident about the leader inside you can help you reduce your guilt, become wiser as a parent, and help you connect to the uplifting power of being a positive influence, ultimately helping your kids to be happy with who they are and what they do. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you because when I opened this book and I saw Influence, I got super excited because I read a lot of parenting books and I saw the word influence mentioned and I can't remember where I saw it, but it was this idea that we don't want to be control freaks, right? And we don't want to be our kids like BFF. And the word influence came up, like we want to have influence. So I want to talk more about this because, you know, it's like the antithesis of control, but it's also not not loosey-goosey either. Talk more. Well, it's intentional. You're right. It is not loosey-goosey. It is intentional to be an influence. I mean, a positive influence. You know, I say in the book, imagine that persuasive sway that you could have with people. Well, you already have it. It's called influence. And sometimes you can project a negative influence and sometimes a positive. So when we're intentional about our behavior and model behavior that we want our kids to embody, we become a positive influence. And imagine, Kristen, you are driving down on 95, headed toward, (laughs) yes, (laughs) because I know your area. People are coming in and out of traffic and you are by yourself in the car. And, you know, it's easy to kind of lose your cool when you're by yourself or to talk back to cars as they're passing you or cutting you off. But when you have kids in the car, you mind yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, you're on Mm -hmm. better behavior. So the idea of modeling the best version of yourself becomes ingrained where you actually rise with that positive influence. So not only do your kids benefit, but we benefit because our stress load goes way down. This is something that parents have been wanting. Like when I read your book, I was like, oh, I wish this was around when my kids were littler, but I still felt Mm -hmm. that even, you know, my youngest is 10, so she's still kind of little. And I have an almost 17-year-old. All of these things still apply. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you have an opportunity to really build something with your younger kids so that when they're older and their friends have a strong influence, which is developmental, that happens, it's part of life, that you, you have that relationship with them, right? So the idea of starting younger, is it 
easier when it comes to this concept of influence? You know, it could be because it's more of the habits and the behaviors. Because it takes a bit for our behaviors to become a habit. But with children, children are very forgiving. I have、mm. seen adults repair relationships with kids in their twenties and thirties,、mm-hmm. and even older people repair relationships with their parents while they were in their forties and their parents were in their seventies or eighties. Amazing. And the model that I used was from the corporate practices and the best practices that I did for corporate training. So I took all of the concepts of the motivational interview, actively listening, conflict resolution, customer service, the positive feedback of going forward. So I used those in my parenting. So the book really isn't just for parents. So it doesn't matter if your children are ten and seventeen, or if they're you know far in the future, or maybe you're just a leader in the community, or maybe you are. Uh, managing people in an office space、mm. or starting a business. This is how you can treat vendors. This is how you can treat clients. This is a, a methodology that transfers across, you know. All aspects and all relationships. So you know, parents put a lot of emphasis on external performance, right? And this model is really about internal growth. And I think it would be helpful for you to talk about how this model really affects kids externally, right? Like, and, and I think about my own therapist, right, who talks about a buoy, like, and and you see the buoy, right? Those are the behaviors, those are the the external performance things that happen. But really, you're looking at. What it's tethered to. You're looking at what's going on in that case under the water, and that's also what you're focusing on with this. Can you share more about that? Well, what I tried to do was I tried to get the kids to connect to that internal satisfaction versus that external trophy.、Mm. You know, I managed an arena, and you know there would be a lot of tournaments and competitions and things like that. So I would have boxes of trophies at my house that would be delivered that I would take to the arena and. I would say it is so easy. You you can purchase a trophy that's three feet tall. You know,、um, <laughs> right? Right. You, you could just buy it. Yeah. You, know, you can you can purchase a ticket to a baseball game or a gymnastic meet. But if you want to connect to that fist pump moment, you have to put in the work.、Mm-hmm. So the trophy is irrelevant. It's the internal trophy that matters. And I will say for parents, the delight that we have on our face. If you've ever seen your child, you know, have a line that they have just nailed. At that holiday play at school, when they're in second or third grade, or they're part of a huge chorus, but they are singing like they are the only person on stage. That satisfaction, that connection, where they feel like I am enough, I am nailing this. You know that fist pump moment. It is the greatest pride a parent can feel, and it is the same measure. I felt when my son received an Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there isn't like big pride and little pride. There is just pride. I love that distinction, and I think about the small moments when our kids aren't being rewarded necessarily with trophies and medals and prizes, and it's just that feeling, or even the kind words from someone, or the praise, or whatever it is. Right? It's that celebration that they have from、mm-hmm. doing something, whether it's well, or they feel accomplished, or it's a positive moment. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. The sense of pride、yeah. that you cannot necessarily. 
measure that pride. It's just pride. So in the book, you start right off with optimism. Right. And I think it's important to distinguish it. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but it's optimism and positivity because we're hearing a lot right. about positivity, toxic positivity, how that is not a good thing. But that's different than optimism, right? Yes. Optimism is more of a trait. Mm. Optimism is having the confidence to keep hope alive. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Positivity mm-hmm. is a choice to think optimistically. You know, it's a choice in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes it's not based in confidence or evidence. Positivity is kind of like a cloud. It is transient thought, but optimism is in our skin. You know, it is a mindset that we develop over time. We can act positively because we have an optimistic mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm curious to know. I mean, I, I read the book, so I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I think it's important for people to hear. We talk a lot on the show about parental example, right? I mean, we had mm-hmm. LeVar Burton on and his number one thing out of the three things to do to get your kids to read more was to read more yourself. Right. We have people on talking about screen time and they're like, if you're worried about screen time, look at yourself. Right. And I feel like a lot of this is really about looking at ourselves. If we are not optimistic, right? If we go into things with a pessimistic mindset or we're super critical always, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than accepting the changes and the transitions that come or whatever it is, our kids are seeing that, right? I mean, that's part of this, right? Right. When you are optimistic, you see options. Mm. So it's not either or. There are this comma, this comma, this comma. You're pointing out options. And that optimistic mindset and optimism go hand in hand with your perspective. Mm. Because the wider you think, the more creatively you think, the more options you'll see. So that way you don't feel trapped into a single lane of answers. So if something doesn't appear and it's not exactly what you had hoped for, then you tend to get pessimistic instead of being able to transform that into what you actually wanted. And I had games with the kids when they were little. I called it the MacGyver game. And I would take a dime and a paper clip. Do you remember MacGyver? Oh, yes. I'm just thinking, I hope that people who are listening right now know who MacGyver is because I feel very aged all of a sudden knowing and loving that show. So, okay, keep going. In the 80s and 90s, he was a passive superhero and he could transform an ordinary paper clip into something that would deactivate the detonator on a bomb and save the day. Right. Of um, course. You take a piece of <laughs> chewing gum and stop an elevator from crashing to the floor. So he was an extraordinary person. And what I would do with the kids is I would take that paper clip or the dime or a coffee mug and I would say, let's try and list 10 things that this could be instead of a coffee mug. Hmm. So they would look at that and they would see, you know, the dynamic possibility of inanimate things. And that you can transfer into people and events Mm. once you tackle the inanimate objects. I can't tell you how much I love optimism equals options. And I think kids in particular, right, the black and white thinking is is what they do best, right? It's either or. Mm -hmm. And the gray area is the hardest. And when you can say, oh, you know, it's a bummer. Like, we're not going to be able to sleep over at so-and-so's house for their party. You know, but what else could you do? And involve them in the opportunity to think about those options, like you said, right? There are 
are more than one way or even two ways to think about things. I'm putting that not even in my back pocket. I'm putting that in my front pocket. <laughs> I, <love laughs> I appreciate it. that. Yes. It's so great. You know, it's funny. We just had Eve Rodsky on who wrote Fair Play. And a lot of what she came up with, her system was also modeled from professional organizational systems as well. So there's definitely something to this. This is a fascinating way to go. So I'm always careful about words that I use. I worked as a music therapist for many years and was trained in, you know, person first language. And I feel like there's a wonderful emphasis on being really careful about the words that we use. But when you talk about words and language, like you're not just talking about curse words, right? Of course, you, you were just using right. the car example, right? How we watch mm-hmm. what we say when we get frustrated in the car. But it's a lot about talking about yourself. It's the words you use to describe situations. Share more about what you mean when you're being so thoughtful about the words that we use as parents. When my children were young, there were two words that were unacceptable in the house, and they were stupid and hate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just didn't permit them, in my earshot at least, uh, you know, maybe they snuck off somewhere and, you know, said, hate, 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 you know, under their breath or something. But for the most part, they were very aware of those two words. And I did that intentionally because two of the most negative and destructive words that we say to ourselves in our self-talk are hate and stupid. Mm. And stupid can become a reflexive comment that we make to ourselves when we make a mistake. And our brains are compliant machines, you know? Um, So they are going to follow the direction and note the assessment of what we think it can do. And when we're repeating repeating a line of, oh, I'm so stupid. I hate this or I hate it. It it can turn against us, especially Mm -hmm. as we grow older through teens. And then of course, you know, in adulthood. So I knew about the importance of language. So those were the words that I didn't permit in the house. And it is funny now because, you know, my kids are adults and still they will say like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, they will tell me a joke (laughs) that is very colorful, full of all of those F-bombs. But then all of a sudden, the word hate is in it. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But they are very aware of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad because sometimes they will hear me say something Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they will say, mom, I can't believe you just said, because I'll I'll say something. Oh, this is so, it's hard for me to even say the word stupid because I feel like I'm cursing. (laughs) But, you know, they'll catch me if I say something like that. Or why are you talking to yourself like that? So they are very cognizant of language and the power of language. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is so much power in language. And I think parents oftentimes get very focused on expletives. I mean, it's and it's there's no fault to that. We just do. Right. But there are other things, body shaming, the way we speak about people who are different than we are, you know, that like it, the list goes on and on. And they're hearing that. I mean, how do kids learn language? Right. That's how they learn it. So if we're using it, we really need to think about how we're using it, who we're using it with, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, grace is fascinating and self-compassion because I feel like, I don't want to say it's trendy because that's not really the right word, but I think with the pandemic, it's really making a strong appearance in articles and columns that I'm seeing, particularly about women. I talked to my daughter about it. It's actually the Mm -hmm. name of the character in my novel. It's tattooed on my arm Mm -hmm. because I feel so strongly about grace. And I aim this at all people, he, she, they, right? But I feel like 
women in particular, Mm -hmm. this is a tough one. And how do we model grace? I mean, other than obviously being kind to ourselves Mm -hmm. and showing grace to ourselves and other people, but are there other ways that we can create this influence? Because, wow, this one is such a big one, such a big one. With my kids, I try to remind them who they were who they are and who they want to be so that they could pinpoint something in time. Because I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, as I'm sure many people have. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the time, for the most part, I gave it an earnest effort and I did the best with what I knew. You're right. Right. So I have to learn to put a period on things that I cannot change. I would say to the kids going forward, and I took that right out of the best practices of corporate training, going forward, if they were upset with something they did, or if maybe they forgot something because they would hold them accountable. Usually I gave them like one get out of jail free card. You know, if they forgot a book or if they forgot something at school, gym clothes, I would bring them the one time. And then after that, they would have to take the punishment from the school, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they would be upset with themselves. And I would say, you know, what can you pull from this that is going to help you in the future going forward? It was trying to get a period on a mistake because I, I will say people also throw the word failure around. Like I learned from my failure. Failure is a mistake that we choose to sit in. Mm. So once you're willing to get up, you know, we all make missteps, overestimate, underestimate, you know, we miss our shot. We're off the mark. But as long as you're willing to recalibrate your route and continue on, it's not a failure. Failure is a choice of accepting a mistake and being still in it. You know, this is so powerful in particular, I think, because as parents, it's so easy for us to go back and be like, oh, what a shoulda, coulda. I really should have done this. And and, and it's one thing to learn from your mistakes, right? And I think you, right. you talked about it's another thing to be accountable for them, but it's another thing to continue to beat yourself up about them. Right. And, you know, I think of like old fights that you've had or situations where, you know, things that are unresolved. And, you know, I talk to my kids a lot about like we're resolving something where I don't ever say put a period on it, but I'm gonna Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we're going to move on to the next thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about the here and now. We're not bringing back all of those things. If you're still angry about those, we can talk about that in that context. Mm -hmm. Right. But like looking ahead. And I love the distinction. Yes, you should be accountable. That doesn't involve beating yourself up. Right. However, that is about what has happened. And I think that is an issue that I see so much with kids often, but in particular with women. Right. We're just we're just constantly beating ourselves up about things that we can't change. Oh, I've been there. Of course. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very forgiving about people forgetting things or people changing things or bringing the wrong food, you know, restaurants and things like that, because I know what it feels like to be that person. Yes. Yes. And I know that I can either make or break somebody's day. Mm-hmm. And we all are, we wake up with that power where we, with a single look or a comment, we could empower somebody or we could have them feel so defeated that they go ahead on a mission of just like <laughs> blowing up everyone in their path. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I choose mm-hmm. to keep my power to try and lift people. And I always announce to people, like if they're asking me to do something that perhaps, you know, say I'm at a community convention and I'm speaking and they say, you know what, the one speaker didn't show up, we're going to move you up here. And it's on a completely different topic. And my response is, I am game for anything. I'm super flexible. I am also super self-forgiving. So give me the exact instructions that you want me to do for you. Because 
if I make a mistake, I'm okay with it. Yes. Oh my gosh. If we could all feel that way, Kelly, can you just like, oh, should I put my head up against the computer and maybe you can give me some of that? When, <laughs> when you turn 50, because I know when I was 40, mm-hmm. I cared what people thought, but I didn't feel what they thought. Right. I was interested in what people thought, but I didn't take it on. Like right. I had to morph myself into what they felt was more acceptable. But I think when I turned 50, I just thought, you know what? You have to teach people how to treat you. And if you're not going to forgive yourself, they're going to not forgive you either. All right. Well, I've got five more years. I've got five more years. Maybe I can be a little advanced in that. (laughs) Well, so far, so good. I don't know what's on the horizon for 60s and 70s, but I think 50s are about self-forgiveness. Okay. Well, that's amazing. And for all of us to really impart that in our children, right? I do want to talk about habits, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'll be honest, like if habits are funny, right? Because they can end up feeling like chores. Mm -hmm. People think of it and they're like, oh, you know, it's like, and and I have to be honest, like when I was younger, I'd be like, really, you're going to get up at the same time and you're going to eat the same breakfast. And like, gosh, like, is that what midlife is like? You know, like all of these things. However, I see the beauty of habits and forming great habits and how they can help us, you know, help our kids, not only in their schoolwork and professional successes or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but it's very ordering. You know, we are creatures of habit. And so this idea that somehow, right, that they they would be a positive thing for us is really not a surprise. Yeah. When you think about it, a thought becomes an idea. Mm-hmm. An idea becomes an action. And then that action, when repeated, becomes a behavior. And when that behavior is ingrained, it becomes a habit. So you can take anything and make it into a habit by repeating it enough. Where it comes in that it's not a chore is what the result is. For instance, say you have dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you say to yourself, oh, I have to go do those dishes. And then you put on a rerun of SVU, like I sometimes do, and... Um, <laughs> end up getting preoccupied and forget about them. But if you know what you want it for, like, oh, my friend Carol is coming over. I want to make sure the kitchen is clean. So now I'm motivated to do it. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden the dishes become a joy, you know, because it's one step closer to having what I want when my friend comes over. So I made the habits with the kids fun. Now, I have six kids, so there are some kids that do not like to like have their hands in water. Right. There are some right. kids that don't like bugs or some kids that don't like noises. So I would not give someone that doesn't like loud noises the vacuuming job. People that don't like to have their hands in water, they would not be having the job that, you know, was washing dishes or cleaning the bathroom. I would align, you know, just like you would do in a corporate environment, mm-hmm, talent mm-hmm. alignment. Yeah. You know, yeah. You wouldn't have your graphic artists doing customer service, right? Right, right So right. I wouldn't have kids that weren't comfortable about having their hands in water do dishes. I would have them do something else. Just simple habits like making the bed. I started when they were young mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's where the nap comes in. You know how kids hate naps, but right, moms right. love naps? Yes. And I like encouraged my kids until they were like 20 to take a nap. <laughs> yes. I think I more did. More napping, more napping. Yeah, more naps. And when they were like three or four, they would say they didn't want to nap anymore. And my kids are all two years apart. So I was always like nursing somebody and wanted that little time to myself. So I would say to them, if you don't want to nap, then we have to close up your bed. So they learn the habit of making their bed mm-hmm. by saying they didn't want to nap and they'd have to close it up and that meant make their bed. So wow. that actually has caught on 
Because now, like, even when my kids are visiting, they make their bed. And when I visit them at their own places, they make their bed. It is just a great habit that started over something that they wanted. You know, they wanted to see what they were missing, what I was doing with their younger brother or sister. So they wanted to forego the nap and they were able to do it. It became a behavior that ended up becoming a habit. I'm thinking about myself right now and how I can start my kids on those kinds of things. And I love this idea of knowing your children, right? A lot of this is really knowing who they are, knowing what their strengths are, and understanding that they're not robots and they're different. Their uh, dislike of water doesn't make them a bad child, right? Like, because they can't do the dishes. It's just, that's their thing. And embracing that and being like, okay, I've got some other things that can work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes we get off track with that and we think of all the things that our kids need to be able to do and that they should be doing. And we forget that our children, they're all different. I have four kids. And even if you only have one child, you know, they have their own quirks. They have their own strengths and their own challenges. This is such a powerful, but also very approachable book. It's called Parent Up. Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self. It's available everywhere where you can get books. And you are everywhere on the social medias. People can find you so many places. You're on Instagram, K Rippon. It's R-I-P-P-O-N. Mm-hmm. Twitter, you're at Authentic Change. You're on YouTube. You're on LinkedIn. You're on Facebook, which is Parent Up. And on Clubhouse. Where is the best place, though, for folks to find you? If you had to pick one that you, maybe your favorite platform, what's your favorite? I think my favorite is Instagram because it's so flexible. All right. So K Ripon, folks can find you there. And we are going to be back with our cool picks of the week right after this. Hey, this is Kristen, and I want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor, Prisma. And you know that Liz and I have talked a lot about how school this year has been a challenge for many, many kids, including my own. And that's like an understatement, right? And, you know, so many schools have really risen to the occasion, figuring out how to adapt to kids, schooling at home and the hybrid models. And we know that there are a lot of schools that are struggling, and so are kids, and so are parents. So we wanted to talk a little bit more about Prisma. They're an online alternative to traditional school for fourth through eighth graders who want to continue school from home. And you know what? We've talked to a lot of parents and that's an option that a lot of parents are going with for fall this coming year. So they have their fall 2021 admissions open right now. What you do is you register as a homeschooler with your school district, which they can help you with. And then you'll have the ability to register your child in this educational program that's focused on developing 21st century skills. We're talking critical thinking, creativity, and collaboration, not standardized testing. Prisma offers a flexible curriculum that adapts to every child's interests and learning speed, which means your fourth to eighth grader can learn what they're curious about, all while getting the attention they deserve from Prisma's teachers and expert coaches. Kids will be in cohorts of about 50 to 70 students, and each coach is assigned to 12 to 18 students, and those coaches really get to know them. Admissions for fall 2021 are now live, and they're filling fast, so head over to Join Prisma, that's J-O-I-N-P-R-I-S-M-A dot com, to schedule a call or just to learn more. It's open to anyone who can operate in U.S. time zones. So that's joinprisma.com to schedule a call or just to learn more. All right, so now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. 
Cool picks of the week. Kelly, yes. you're our guest, so you get to go first with your cool pick. My cool pick is kind of old-fashioned. I started having double-stick popsicles. Do you remember them yes. when you were little? Yes. Okay, now they are my new go-to because I started working out more. And instead of reaching for a granola bar or nuts or something that may have, you know, two or 300 calories as a little snack, I started reaching for the popsicle. And it is kind of like a stress release for me because it is so multi-sensory. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I can't believe it took me this long to appreciate a popsicle. <laughs> I was just going to say, double stick popsicles everywhere are thanking Kelly Ripon for, for this promotion. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I break them. But I have both sides. So they're cold. They're tactile because you have to hold them, right? They're kinesthetic. So you have to like balance that little bit, you know, when you're trying to have that last bite that doesn't fall off the stick. And it is just such a nice break. And it's very low calorie. Maybe it just reminds me of being young, but it is something that I can cut out from my day and say, hey, I'm taking a popsicle break. I love it. I I think that's really fun. They're always like, at least in our house, they're like a treat, right? So it is kind of like this taking this moment to treat yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, and like you said, a multi-sensory way. I never thought about a popsicle like that before, Kelly. You've changed Mm -hmm. my mind about a lot of things and one of them, popsicles. (laughs) All right. So my cool pick of the week is actually a TV show. I'm not sure if you've seen this. You're a Pennsylvania person like me, although you're up further north and I'm closer to Philly where this show is based, but it's Mayor of Easttown. Have you seen it, Kelly? No, I have not. You Um, have to watch it. Who is in it? I'm going to write this down. Kate Winslet, Gene Smart. It's on HBO Max, and it is in incredible. It's a thriller, right? It's a mystery thriller. So just keep that in mind, folks. It's really not a kid's show per se, right. but it is based in a Delaware County outside of Philadelphia town, right. you know, a fictional town. Where they? And oh my goodness, the performances, the writing, the story. It, I, you know, I started watching it two weeks ago and a couple days ago, I was like, I'm just finishing this. I had four episodes and I sat down and I finished it in one sitting. It is so good. Wow. So Mayor, M-A-R-E of East It's on HBO Max. And of course, we're going to link up everything. Well, you know, you'll have to tell me your favorite double stick popsicles, but we'll link up those popsicles, your book, my favorite TV show over on coolmompicks.com so everyone can find them. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a thrill. Yay! And thanks to everyone for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And folks, if you've got a moment, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Actually, you know, we had a discussion in our OutTech Your Kids Facebook group about everyone's favorite podcast app because I know people have very strong feelings about the Apple Podcast app. Most people don't really like it. Sorry, Apple. There are a bunch of other ones out there. If you go over to that group, OutTech Your Kids, you'll see what people have recommended. But when you rate us, you review us, you subscribe and you download, it really helps other listeners find us. And of course, we talk about all our Spawn Podcast episodes over in our Spawn Podcast community on Facebook. You're welcome to join us there. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Liz will be back next week. Have a great day. All right, Kelly. Yay, we did it. Awesome. Thank you. Time for a popsicle.